good afternoon or good morning or whatever time it is there for you folks. Um, happy to be able to join you today by video. When Brian asked me several weeks ago if I would preach this weekend, I immediately said yes because I love to preach. But then I got like think, thinking about the fact that you know, I'm well over 65, I have some asthma, have a couple of other risk factors for this virus, and the numbers are rising in our county and all of that. And so I thought, maybe I better not preach in person. But then Brian said, well, you could do it by video. So here I am, actually. I'm recording this. Uh, Barbie and I are in Arizona at the moment, and we'll be sending this file up so we can, I can join you this way. Uh, I'd like to say it's nice to see you all today, but uh, it's nice to be seen. So hello there. I want to talk about being hopeful in the midst of uncertainty. So let me start with this question. What are your plans for Christmas? You know, that's a, that's a typical question we ask each other at this time of year because we love to make plans at this time of year for, you know, big family gatherings, uh, Christmas parties, informal get-togethers, all that. We just like making plans for the future in general. Planning gives us something to look forward to. It, it draws us into the future, the good things that we're hoping for and anticipating. For example, our granddaughter, Casey, uh, graduates from high school this coming May, and we're planning on going to Southern California for that big event. That would be great. The, the seniors group here at, at Faith Church is planning a couple of things this coming summer. Uh, we're going to go to Alaska. We're going to go to uh, Kentucky to see the Creation Museum and the, the Ark. And that would be great. I'm sure you have plans for things you'd like to do uh, this year as well. But will we get to do them? COVID has already disrupted a lot of our plans, and, and we're coming to grips with the fact that we don't have as much control over our future as we like to think. Our situation now is much more like the experience of some missionaries that our church supports in Indonesia. Barbie and I were visiting them one time, and I said, Sean, what's the hardest thing about living here? And he said, it's the uncertainty. <laughs> Bus schedules change without warning. Holidays are only announced a day or two before they actually happen. The bureaucratic process for getting something done changes from week to week. He says, we, we never know what's going to happen. It feels like we're completely out of control. Well, you know, it's starting to feel like that here a little bit with the rising COVID numbers and the threats to our healthcare system and all of that. When I was in seminary, I was mentored by a, a man who was a vice president of World Vision. And he was something of a management guru. And his motto was plan, organize, execute. Sounded great. He had a whole seminar on this process. I took the seminar. I thought it looked great. And it does look great. And then life happens. <laughs> and then all our plans go out the window. It reminds me of what a missionary once told me about mission trips. He said, preparation is essential. Plans are worthless. And what he meant was you can prepare your heart. You can prepare your mind. You can prepare the logistics of the trip. But the moment you set foot on the ground, all your plans for what you were going to do when just go out the window. And it turns out life is a lot like that. And life in COVID time is really like that. How many times have families had to shuffle their schedule this year because the school district changed their schedule? Business owners, government leaders, virtually everybody on earth has had to, to cope with tremendous uncertainty. Well, I'll take that back. Uh, the people who make cardboard boxes and who deliver those boxes and the people who make Zoom, their futures are not uncertain at all. They're very secure. But, 
<laughs> but the rest of the world has come to grips with the fact that we don't have as much control over our future as we thought. And adding to the uncertainty brought about by COVID is the fact that our culture is changing in, in unpredictable ways. Last month when I preached, I mentioned the fact that evangelicals as a group have gone from being a respected minority in our country to being a despised one. Uh, the sexual revolution that started in the 1960s with the catchphrase, make love, not war, has now led to the normalization of behaviors that for all previous generations of human history, those behaviors were considered perversions. In the time that Barbie and I have been in Colorado, this state has switched from being a largely Republican one to a largely Democratic one. Uh, computers became mainstream in the 1980s, and now they affect every area of life, of everybody's life. Facebook only became widely available in 2006, and now it and its other social media cousins dominate social discourse. Just when I get to the place where I think I know how to use a program on my computer, they come out with a new version of that, and I don't understand how it works. <laughs> as, a, as another missionary that we support says, there's been an alarming increase in the number of things I know nothing about. <laughs> and that's what it feels like, whether it's computers or politics or pop culture or whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's hard to know where things are going next or where it'll end up. And again, this just increases the sense we have that things are out of control. Life is uncertain. Now the Bible says that that sense of control that we thought we used to have was an illusion all along. James 4. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town, we'll stay there a year, we'll do business and make a profit. James says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Isn't that the truth? We, we have no idea what our life will be like tomorrow. I, I, I've often been struck by the fact that a person can get up one day feeling perfectly fine, enjoying life, you know, looking forward to maybe something they're going to do this summer when we get past the, the COVID thing, and then later that day they feel a sharp pain in their chest, and that night they're in the hospital for emergency surgery to fix a heart attack. Or they get up and they, they go to their annual routine physical, feeling just fine, making plans for the future. But the doctor sees something suspicious in the blood work, and within a week they're scheduled for chemo or radiation to attack an aggressive cancer. Right? Or you're driving through town and you're broadsided by a truck that runs a red light. Or, I mean, we all have stories like this, right? From our own lives, from the lives of others, life changes in a and it is foolish to say with certainty what we will do tomorrow, much less next year. James continues, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. There's a song sort of based on that. The chorus says, we are a flower quickly fading, a wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. <laughs> we are. You know, when you're 20, a life of 80 plus years seems like an eternity. From my vantage point of 77, it seems really short. <laughs> Here today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> In light of that uncertainty, James counsels us, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. It's evil boasting because it claims to have the kind of control over our lives 
that only God has. So I want to talk about hope in the face of all the uncertainty that we're facing. As you think about the future, think about your own personal future or the future of your family, your loved ones, the future of our church, the future of our country. How hopeful do you feel? I want to ask you to just take a moment and reflect on that. I'm going to be quiet for a second. How hopeful do you feel about the future of things that matter to you? Go ahead and give that some thought. Well, it's the Advent season. Uh, where, where am I going with this? What, what does all this have to do with Christmas? Well, there's a lot of uncertainty around our Christmas celebrations this year. Th th this is the very time of year when we like to make plans for Christmas parties, informal get-togethers, big family gatherings. But can we? Should we? Should we travel? Should our families travel? What if someone gets sick? What further health restrictions will we face? We hear the vaccine is coming, but it won't be here in time to save Christmas. That growing sense of uncertainty that we've had all year came to a head a couple weeks ago around Thanksgiving, and now here it is again in sharp focus as we think about our Christmas plans. We know what we want to do, but we're not sure if we should or can. Christmas, of course, is the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, and he is the most stable, most constant, most faithful thing in the whole universe. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus is the incarnation of the God who said in Malachi 3, I am the Lord, I the Lord do not change. So when life is uncertain, we need to fix our attention on the one who never changes. So my hope in the next few minutes is to help us do that, to fix our eyes on the baby born in Bethlehem who never changes. When, when I say that, I sort of have to chuckle at the, the internal contradiction because babies change pretty quickly. <laughs> Almost from one day to the next they change, and, and babies need to be changed several times a day. But be that as it may, this baby is the eternal God. He is the everlasting Father who never changes. And in his stability and constancy and faithfulness, we find great hope in the midst of a world full of uncertainty. So... What does that hope that we find in Christ look like? Well, in general, hope is the feeling that things are going to be better in the future. Something we want to happen will happen. Good things are coming. Help is on the way. Now, this can be very weak hope, as in, man, I sure hope it snows a lot in the mountains this year because we need that to alleviate the drought. Or the hope of a child who's hoping for a puppy for Christmas. Or it can be much stronger than that. It can be the hope and desire for something accompanied by an expectation or a belief that it's going to happen. When the Bible speaks of putting our hope in God, it, it's talking about a, a confident trust in Him, a confident expectation that the future will be better, good things will happen based on solid reasons, based on God Himself. Well, I can think of at least four reasons why we can have hope in God in the midst of all this uncertainty. And it's a good thing we can, too, because as the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If we keep waiting and hoping and waiting and hoping and waiting and hoping and it never comes, that can be really discouraging. We can fall into depression, even suicidal thoughts. 
We, we need a solid basis in order to keep hoping in the face of a long wait. And, and that's what we have in God, a solid basis for hope in the face of a long wait. So I'll mention several things. And the first three provide hope for better things for the future in the short term. First and foremost, we hope in his unfailing, loving presence. You know that familiar Christmas prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel, which is Hebrew for God with us. And then this promised child, at the end of his time here on earth, said to his followers, Surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So in Jesus and in his spirit, God is with us all the time. And he's not with us passively, just sort of standing by our side, watching us go through whatever it is we're dealing with. He's with us in an active sense, providing our needs, comforting us in sorrow, convicting us of sin, guiding us in the decisions we have to make, nudging us to serve him in some way by speaking to someone or serving someone else in a way, or celebrating us with us in our joys, holding our hand as we pass from this life into the next. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And at the heart of all that he does with us is the fact that he's loving us, and his love never fails. The Hebrew word most often translated uh, steadfast love or unfailing love in, in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word chesed. It's God's covenant love. It's his absolute commitment to his people. It's part of his very nature. It's not just something that he occasionally feels or acts on. No, this is who he is. In the upper room, the night before Jesus died, John tells us, Jesus had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. His love would never end, not even on the cross. I mean, he, he surely could have called on his father to send battalions of angels to rescue him from the cross, but he didn't. And it wasn't, it wasn't our sin that kept him there, as the song says. It was his love that kept him there until his work of redemption was finished. So, if you ever find yourself in one of those awkward places where you know, the circumstances of your life have been so bad for so long that you begin to doubt God's love for you. You begin to wonder, where is he? Does he even know what's going on with you? Does he care? Look at the cross. Look at the cross and renew your hope in him. When everything around us is topsy-turvy, uncertain, changing every other day, we need to look at the cross and remind ourselves, oh yeah, that's right, God's love never fails. I can count on him, I will keep hoping. And because God's love is a fundamental part of his nature, when he speaks, we can trust what he says. We can put our hope in what he says. He will never mislead us. Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. So when everything around us is changing unpredictably, when the culture is changing in ways that we find alarming, we go back to God's word. We remember the Apostle John called Jesus the living word of God, who spoke truth that we can count on. He said he would be with us to the very end of the age. He said, ask and you will receive. He said, 
give and it will be given to you. He said, if you lose your life for me in the Gospels, you'll find it. So we just need to immerse ourselves in his word and put our hope in what he has said. A third thing about God that we can hope in is his plans for us. We have a, a good, good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. So you remember Jeremiah, God, God reminded the exiles in, in Babylon, whose lives were certainly upended, uncertain. He reminded them, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We're not in control of our futures, but God is. We don't know what's going to happen, but God does. He says, only I can tell you, tell you the future before it happens, and everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. <laughs> the Lord of Heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hand is raised, who can stop him? We can put our hopes and plans for our future in his hands, and leave them there. Lots of questions. Will we get COVID? Will it be a, a light case or a serious case? Will our kids and grandkids turn out all right? Will our son-in-law find work? Will our granddaughter get into college? Will there even be college in the fall? I mean, so many questions. So much about the future is hazy, cloudy. We can't see it. It's indeterminate. We can't control any of it. But God has big plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans for our welfare. So we put our hope in him, and in his sovereignty, not in our fragile plans, we're just, which are just you know, a vapor in the wind. Now, without a doubt, the main focus of hope in the New Testament is, is on what it calls the blessed hope. Here we're talking about hope for better things in the long term. Though I hope it's not too much longer. <laughs> Titus 2.13, we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas, it's like applauding at the end of the first act of a two-act play, or applauding at the end of the first movement of a two-movement concerto. There's more to come, folks, and the second half is going to be way better. Wait till you see what's coming. <laughs> Jesus himself said he will appear in the heavens. All, everyone on earth will be able to see him. He will come with power and great glory. He's going to send his angels out, and they will gather his people from all over the world. The trumpet will sound, all the believers who have already died will be resurrected, all the believers who are still on earth at that time will be changed, our bodies will no longer be subject to decay and death, death will be swallowed up in victory. The Lord Jesus himself will come down from heaven with a cry of command and the archangel's call and the sound of the trumpet of God, and we will all be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with him. Are you ready for that? Does the hope of that thrill you, inspire you, fill you with hope and courage and joy and so on to keep going? Man, I can't wait. Jesus Christ, his unfailing love, his true word, his plans for our welfare, and the blessed hope of his imminent return, these are some of the things we can have solid, confident, expectant hope in. So if we do that, if we do put our hope in these things, what will it do for us? How can the hope Jesus gives us affect our daily lives? Well, here are a few things the scripture says. Hope in God gives us encouragement. Psalm 31, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. It's, 
It's those who hope in the Lord who can be strong and take heart. 2 Thessalonians 2. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. This is not whistling in the dark or the power of positive thinking. This is a recognition that God is real, and we can count on his love, his word, his plans. But see, whether this affects us or not all depends on what we focus on. If we look at social media more than we read our Bibles, if we listen to the news more than we listen to Christian music, then, yeah, we're going to be a mess. I mean, from a strictly human perspective, we have every reason to be tied up in anxiety and depression. But the, the country may be good, well, may well be going to hell in a handbasket, as they say, but God is still on the throne. He's still sovereign over the kingdoms of men and over the circumstances of our individual lives. When we put our hope in Him, not other things, we can be encouraged. It makes sense. A second thing that, that this can do for us is it can give us endurance. 1 Thessalonians 1. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek word translated endurance is hupomone, literally under to stay. <laughs> It's when you are, as we say, under the pile of your circumstances, and you just stay there. You don't crumble, you don't retreat, you don't give up on God, you don't bail on your responsibilities. You take up residence under the hardships. Now, what in the world makes it possible for somebody to do that? We have to have hope. We have to have hope that things will be better. Not, not a superficial Pollyanna, oh, honey, I'm sure everything's going to work out type of hope, but hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in his unfailing love, his word, his good plans for us, and his imminent return in glory. Right? When we have all that to, to count on, then we can hang in there, or hang under there, and keep going. As Isaiah said, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Sometimes they'll mount up with wings as eagles, sometimes they'll run and not grow weary, sometimes they'll just walk, but they won't faint. They'll have God-given endurance. A third thing that this hope can give us is a sense of security. Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope, and in the context of that chapter, the hope he's talking about is hope of salvation. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So he wants us to picture a ship being driven by the winds of a storm, threatening to, to crash against the rocks. But they throw out an anchor, and the anchor bites deep into the seabed and holds the ship steady so that it doesn't get destroyed. Now, the inner sanctuary he's talking about is the Holy of Holies in the temple. This was the place behind this big, thick curtain where the high priest could only go once a year because that's where God lived, above the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim. Well, his point here in Hebrews 6 is, our hope is an anchor based solidly in that real, eternal sanctuary of God in heaven, not in the copy of the one on earth. God is the one who saves us. God is the one who keeps us. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
the eternal issues are settled for us. So we can relax in his arms and feel safe and secure regardless of what our circumstances are. And then finally, this kind of hope in God can give us joy. Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the God of hope, and as we put our hope in him alone, we can laugh at the uncertainty or the difficulty of our lives and experience great joy in the confidence that things will be better. The God of hope can fill you with that kind of joy. Well, how do we do this? How do we, how do we keep hope alive? How do we keep our hope fixed on the Lord Jesus when it feels like everything around us is sort of changing, uncertain, falling apart? I'm sure you know these things, but yeah, it's possible that the, the effects of the, the pandemic or maybe other circumstances in your lives have kind of thrown you off of your normal routines. So here's how we keep our hope fixed on him. First, spend time focusing on him every day. Praise God for his incredible attributes. <laughs> Excuse me. And I have a, a suggestion for Advent, for your Advent quiet times. Uh, read the birth narratives about Jesus in Matthew and Luke. And then hold in your mind what you, the impression you get of this baby at that time. And then read what it says about Jesus in John 1, Colossians 1, and Revelation 1. And then compare the two, contrast it. It's a great study in this amazing contrast about who Jesus was. Second idea is listen to Christian music. And if you're listening to Christmas music, I, I have two suggestions. One would be to try to avoid the pop culture songs that are more about grandmothers being run over by reindeer than they are about the birth of Jesus. They, they're not gonna help you. And if you're listening to genuinely Christian Christmas music, Stop from time to time and pay attention to the words, because they're often really good. Uh, they'll nourish your soul. Uh, don't let it just sort of be elevator music in the background all the time. A third suggestion, which I hardly need to, to say to you, who are either here in the sanctuary today or are watching at home, go to church. <laughs> okay, it's not the same as it used to be. It's not the way we like it by any means. But you can still go to church in person. Yes, you have to register and you have to wear your mask, but you can go. Or you can go to church online. And, and that's definitely not as satisfying, but it is better than nothing. And it helps you stay somewhat connected with your friends here, your brothers and sisters in this church. And if you do it online, you can even do it at a time when it's convenient for you. Just, just don't say, well, I'll do it later and then not get to it. Another suggestion, memorize scripture. Now, I'm not going to be able to see your hands, but raise your hand if you've ever memorized any scripture passages in the past. I'm guessing a number of hands are up. Okay, now, when was the last time you reviewed those verses? Make a point of reviewing them. Look, there's a reason why you memorized each of those verses at the time that you did it. It, it meant something to you. So review those things, and they will nourish the hope that God has given you. And then my final suggestion is just to kind of pay attention to when you're losing hope, when you're feeling tense or anxious, or discouraged, crabby, when you're not your usual pleasant self, stop and take your emotional temperature. Ask the Lord to show you what, what's going on here. Why do I feel like this? Ask especially if it could be because of misplaced hope. 
is it possible you're putting too much hope in your own plans or in someone else? And if that's the case, then you can reset and get your focus back on the Lord. So when we put our hope in Jesus Christ, in his unfailing love, his word, his plans for us, and his return in glory, we can be encouraged in truly discouraging situations. We can endure terrible hardships. We can relax and find security and even joy and all of this in the midst of the great uncertainty that we all face every day. It, is that worth it to you? Will you put your hope in Jesus? Not in your spouse, your kids, not in a pastor, not in a political leader, uh, not in your own intelligence or creativity or experience, not in your investment portfolio or anything else in this life. I mean, we're faced with so many temptations to, to hope and trust in something else Put your hope in Jesus. You won't be sorry. He will never fail you. Let's pray together. Lord, we do have hope. Hope that you'll do something good in the midst of our uncertain, turbulent times. And, and we, we hope for that because you're good. This is the underlying conviction that governs all of our responses to life, Lord. You are good. Your unfailing love is good. Your word is true. Your plans for us are for our good and your glory. We can trust you. We put our hope in you. Now, we don't pretend that this means we're going to like it all. It's going to be pleasant and comfortable. But we believe that when we get to glory, we'll be able to see with perfect hindsight how your goodness was displayed in our circumstances. So, Lord, in this season of celebrating your first advent, we look forward with with great longing, anticipation, eagerness to see you when you return in power and glory. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.